Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Comics Fondle podcast. My name is Andrew, and I have the Comics Fondle or ComicsFondle.com, uh, a blog, a comic review blog. And this is Vernon Wiley, the proprietor of the wonderful comic shop Comics Gallery, located in wonderful Wilmette, Illinois. And this is our third episode, our long-delayed third episode we were just talking about in the pre-show. And uh, I'm trying to remember if the last show, we've we've missed a lot in the... um, It has been, what, 30 days? It's, you know, we, we missed people... The, the world uh, in uproar over Ben Affleck being the new Batman. We missed and this will ah, this will yeah, be that fun. Was a, that was yeah. a tornado, yeah. Yeah, and we and we missed um, we, we missed, missed San Diego. We missed San Diego, but we knew that. We we purposely yeah. missed that last time. We also missed D, did we miss DC and the Villains Month covers or did we talk about that last time? Because well, now it's uh, Villains Month. We might have mentioned it, but we'll talk about it some more. Yeah. Today. Because so, I got some venting, yes. We've missed quite a few things, and and we're going to start with. Um, I, I just decided because it, it seems like a good place to start. Saga winning the uh, what did it win? It was the Hugo Awards Hugo for something Award. like best comic science fiction comic. Best science fiction comic book. Now, the other nominees were. Oh my! Okay, brother. now hold on. Oh, Let's God. not forget that Saga. Not only is it a best-selling comic book, it got very famous. Um, and it's the best-selling uh, monthly comic book out of the Comics Gallery, too, here, by the way. There you go. And it was also very famous for a few weeks because there was, like, did Apple refuse to let their uh, homosexual imagery in? And it turns out no. But anyway. Oh, oh is that what that was? Okay. That was that was. Here it, okay, so it won for Best Graphic Story. Presumably for sci-fi, because sci-fi fantasy. Here were the other nominees. Okay. Granville Bet Noir by Brian Talbot for Dark Horse. Okay, did worthy. You, did you Perhaps. read that? It was, no, okay. no, no, no. Oh. I don't Lock read and Key Clockworks. Not you know what? Really I gotta sci-fi. go with that. But yeah, it's not sci-fi. It's, not sci-fi. it's horror it's and horror. suspense. Schlock right. Mercenary by Ooh. Howard... Taylor and Travis Walton from Hypermode Media. I bet they didn't make it into Diamond. You know, they might have. There's a lot of stuff from Diamond that slips under my radar just because I'm a busy man, but uh, it's uh, unknown to me. But you know what? Lock and Key does have its fantasy elements, dark fantasy. Okay, Okay, We could sneak it in. I'll let let that one go. Certainly, yeah. Saucer Country, Volume 1 by Paul Uh, Cornell and Ryan Kelly. Okay. That's all. Those are the only nominees. And when you told me about this, you mentioned that Profit didn't win. So I went and looked, and it wasn't even nominated. Unbelievable. Which raises this question of are they paying attention to these things? Yeah, who reads these things? It's like you know the person who this got to be run through somebody. Like all you got to do is this, right? Say you're writing this article for Hugo nominees or something. You say, okay, here's my list or here's their list. Let's run it down to the local comic shop that I respect and see what they think and if I have admitted anything. But no, Profit, perhaps the most pure science fiction slash fantasy comic on the racks. And this is not to be little Saga. Saga is a perfectly great comic. Everyone's enjoying it, and it's a nice piece of science fiction slash fantasy, as you'll find. But when you're talking about science fiction, you know, science fiction profit hits all the bases. Profit is amazing business. And I'm looking at their website, and it's built on WordPress, which is interesting because it's what Comics Fondle's built on. So, Oops. yeah, the uh, <clears throat> the guys who uh, have been giving out these awards for since 1955 don't have web design which is kind of sad maybe well yeah what are you gonna do you know yeah so (laughs) yeah and then wow avengers won best sci-fi movie well okay well i guess we know how much respect we have to pay the hugo awards yeah i think think we do yeah the academy awards only with fiction you know but anyway if, if you if you haven't read profit just read it but it's not for everybody i i've it's, I, it's a the very shop. gross book which is, is it gross i didn't notice i really just didn't it's, notice the grossness he 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 screws a bug lady in the first 
issue. Well, remember that? Well, okay. It's not too bad, I don't think. I don't remember it being that it's bad. It's got a lot of the whole body, not yeah. modification, but they're like well, the guy's always eating all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's always it, it's eating shit. I'm not okay. saying, yeah, I mean, it's... They're not scary gross. They're very science fiction-y gross. They're not, like, slick. This isn't gross. It's, you know, no, this is, this is you know, sometimes to survive you have to eat, you know, another animal's shin bone or something because it's got medicinal properties. Right, and these guys, these John Prophet clones, they eat constantly, at yeah. least in the early part of the series. All right. But so that's, that's was... the best deal going right now in science fiction. I mean, uh, Brandon Graham's book is... Uh, just as good, if not better, than Saga. I know I'm going to take my ass whoopings from people on this one, but uh, I'm more of a profit guy. But I will be the first to admit that it's the kind of book you got to work for. It doesn't come easily. It's a book you got to read at least twice, probably three times. But, you know, I like that. I like I can plunk down my money and get a comic that I want to read three times before I put it in my envelope in my box and tuck it away forever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, these these Hugo words, uh, they better not read comics, and you shouldn't take their word on comics. Although Saga is a perfectly good book to win. Just we did. We were, Andrew and I would have been very happy if they did just put profit on the running list. Perhaps we might have seen. Yes, it like, we might have had right. some respect. Right. Yeah. Pay your dues. You know. I mean, yeah. you put Saucer Country on there. You put something that's digital only on there. Uh, you put lock and key on there, and I'm like, well, you know, they really tried to dig. I bet if you and I dug, we could probably find some more worthy inventions. Maybe not lock and key, but, you know. Oh, well. Yeah, should we vent on Dylan's month for a while? Everybody's yes, venting on let's, Dylan's Yes, let's month. vent. You can oh. vent. I, I don't really know what you're going to go on. But well, vent. you know, it's, it, it, the whole thing was, you know, we, we, we got, got the rug pulled out on us and how many copies we or, ordered versus how many the DC could actually deliver to us. And as a result, we had, like, massive pre-orders for the books that we had to try to fulfill, which left very few shelf copies, okay? And I'm out of most of them, and it's Friday now, so I've got like four of them left, which isn't too bad, uh, all things considered. But just, I don't know, it's a lot of work. Let's put it this way. I'm not going to sit here and whine because retailers do that forever, but I'm just like, oh. There was this blog. Who was it? Was it, was it on Heidi's blog where somebody was talking about retailers and we say that we sell our merchandise because of content, not, say, shiny objects, okay? And uh, the writer took, uh, I guess you'd say, a factual structured approach to where, okay, retailers, you're lying. You're in it for the shiny objects. You're in it for the shiny objects, you know, because Lord knows all the money goes towards uh, holographic covers and Green Lantern rings and other bullshit like that. But, okay, it's content that drives sales. Okay, for long term, for for visible effects on your customers, it's content. But you know what? Customers want shiny objects sometimes. And uh, does a retailer pay the rent? Does he say, "No, my ethics of comics guidance will not allow me to sell this to you"? No, we got to pay the rent. I mean, we all got kids in college, uh, so I don't know. I take exception to it, you know, as far as like my greed is concerned, you know. But. Uh, uh, you know, it's stupid. DC screwed up majorly, and hopefully they won't do this ever again so I have this much work. I think that that's the biggest thing is the work, you know? Did you look at any of these lovely objects? No! What? You don't have time to read bad comics, I, I don't know. have time to read bad I don't read DC comics. I barely read Vertigo anymore. Good Can grief. you imagine what it's like for me and people come to the counter and say, did you read this? And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, don't go near the DC rack. Jesus, please, don't go near the DC rack, because I don't know. Actually, I did read a DC comic yesterday. Batman Black and White number one. You should put that on your hit list. Yeah? Um, yeah, it was fine. It's, uh, what, five or six short stories, very good artists all the way through, and fun and simple, and the way a Batman comic should be for me. Now, I don't know if a kid would get some of the stuff. They allow Neil Adams to write again, and that's always kind of interesting to say the least i love neil and respect it but you know he's he, he it's it's a neil rant with batman thrown in there for good luck and i was like wow dc put this in batman black and white okay but they have a not your mr chris samney's in there oh is uh, he now? Well. yeah yeah sean murphy's in there joe canoni's is in there and you got uh, the it looks to be a batman animated alumni is it was it mike cho he does the story. That's a fun one. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, put that on your hit parade just for shits and giggles. All right. I'll take a look. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, oh, yeah. So, comics this week. Um, what have I read so far? 
you read everything. I swear I to God, I cannot keep up with your blog. It's ridiculous. I have not read everything yet. Um, I've read more yes. than I have. I, well. <sighs> Whose fault is that for, right? Okay, I get it. You don't get a lunch break. That's true, yeah. I get a lunch break. And I can't read in front of customers. That's a big problem, you know? I mean, if I'm going to use the taser on them for reading, then I can't very well read myself out of there. So what about... All right, so going back to yesterday, let's see. Okay, so this... uh, Do we want to start with it? Do we want to start with suicide risk? Uh, Yeah, this is where we differed in opinion, which is something that doesn't happen with me and Andrew very often. You liked it. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was like an unwritten fill-in issue. I think my carry works really well. Okay, so I forgot that it was on a cliffhanger last time. They're in the... They're all cliffhangers. That was one of the things I was saying. You, well, even you were saying he was blowing the cliffhanger every month because of the timing of whatever it was, and you were yeah. right. But it's, he still ended with a cliffhanger for first four issues, and then we get to the fifth, and it's like, here's, here's a here's a shoehorned-in one-issue one-shot, yeah. you know? And, and I get it, but don't leave with a cliffhanger when you're going to throw a one shot in the middle of it, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, it's just I just thought it was a nice little, nice little aside for him because I'm having, pro- I'm getting. <sighs> he doesn't have the synergy with his artist on suicide risk, Mike Carey, that he has with um, the guy on Unwritten with Gross. Oh yes, yes, definitely and not. So there, yeah. I think it's Mike Carey trying to do something more fun. Okay. And not as complex, except okay. I think that he's not, like, really built that way. No, he's into the deeper mythology that he gets to invent and, and, and like, these these things that he invents and, and, and develops as he goes along. He's not a short six-issue miniseries kind of no. guy, I don't think, no. Um, you know, and it was kind of interesting because even though, you know, the script, uh, I hate to say it, but it kind of reminded me of, like, a, is it Joe Straczynski script? Yeah. In some ways. I mean, it's like a... I'm not going to say by the numbers, but it had so many elements I was already familiar with. Yeah. And uh, I found, uh, is it jo- Josie or Joselle Jones? I hope Joelle I Joelle Jones. Joelle yeah. Jones. I, yeah, I thought she was cute. Yeah, she's got nice, uh, sweet attributes to her art, which I think that was part of the jarringness when I left, uh, what was it, Elena Casagrande yeah. at the last four issues. And, you know, you expect a fill-in. You do. You know, that's going to happen. You can't, you know, keep up with it, the level of art they put into it nowadays. Expect him to do monthly be- deadlines for six months straight. I, I don't think that's going to happen very often. But, uh, well, I just, uh, I'm there. It took a lot of the momentum out of the series for me. I mean, not so you, but it was a, a nice done in one. I'll give it that. I just still, it kind of like took something off for me. Well, it, it does raise a question of what he's doing with the series because, you know, it, it does not fit to have fill ins like this. <laughs> Right. It, it was, it was unusual. Strange. It was a nice script. It was a nicely done artwork. And you know what? And I'm going to sit here and tell anybody listening to this thing that you should pick this issue up anyway, regardless of the fact that, you know, Andrew and I disagree about it. Uh, it's a great comic, and you should still read it anyway. I mean, put up that extra issue of X-Men and go get this. So, um, go ahead, please. Well, no, I was going to – do we have any more on it? Cause I was gonna yeah, we, do, we have another thing we can disagree on. Oh, okay. What was it? Uh, shit. What's the name? Was it Max Brooks Extinction Parade, right? Yeah, you like that a lot. I, I will, just, uh... yeah, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a stupid basic thing, and I agree with you 100%. At one point, Ma- okay, for those in the know, Max Brooks, post-apocalyptic writer, uh, Extinction Parade talks about the last surviving elements, humans, zombies, and vampires, and what's going to happen next. I guess that's it in a nutshell. But uh, what was it? You mentioned something about his introduction to the middle class, which I kind of agreed with when I read you say it. It, it, it was kind of jarring, and it took away from the momentum, and it seemed needless. But I don't know. It's just like a down-to-earth, creepy comic that I'm getting into. Maybe the atmosphere got me in the evening I read the first two issues. Um, I wouldn't say it's great. When I say it, it, it was – I think I mentioned it was the likely successor to – 60s undergrounds and EC comics, which weren't always, always necessarily well-written either or that interesting. Uh, but, you know, I found that it was a nice synthesis, and we'll see if it carries me beyond two issues anyway. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stick with it. It's interesting. I just feel like there are issues with it. Yeah, you seem to think the – no, no you're, you're, you're pretty more of a writer. I'm more of an art guy. And uh, you said that he's foreshadowed the, the girl's death. Is that I must have missed that, but I guess you're right. The at friend, this point. yeah, the friend seems very uh, memory. I don't even know what the 
the characters' names are. I mean, I, you know, and I didn't get that they were Euro, they were from the Philippines or whatever. I mean, I just felt like... They seem like upper-middle-class vampires, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm still, you know... Still on the fence. I'm still on the fence. Yeah, I liked... Is it, oh God, Paolo, Paolo... Oh, God, I forget his name, uh, Socrates or something like that in the artwork. He's done stuff for Avatar before, and he's 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 ready, almost ready for prime time. You know, he's like one of their guys who does really creepy-ass shit that you'll never see work for Marvel or DC. But then I said the thing about Justiano and who else has been doing work. You said uh, that, we said that about Reap. Juan Jose Reap for years were like, he's never going to get a job at Marvel. And then right. he did. And he did, right, exactly. And who's the guy who's been working for DC, uh... Shit, uh, a Spanish guy, and he does the pointless stuff, and he's in there. He even did that one you reviewed about the the girl who went to hell. What's her name? The hooker. That was Reap. Yeah, that's, Juan that's Jose it. Reap. Juan yeah. Jose Reap. Thank you. Thank you very much yeah. on that. Uh, he's got. Uh, I think he did a Punisher, and he did some DC stuff. But oh, that Punisher it, was nasty. Yeah. I only have read his DC stuff because you know I, don't, I try not to read DC comics. Yeah, it's pretty sanitized. Whatever it is, I know. Yeah, you can't read DC comics; they won't let you. All right, let's uh, see what, what else. else? What else? Uh, uh, you're behind on. Uh, what is it called? You are behind on Ultimate Superior Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Superior yeah. Spider-Man, yeah. I should just read it anyway. You know, <laughs> I missed an issue at the comic shop. A rarity in my in my form. So we got 17, but. We missed 16, so we got to wait till 16 comes here, and then we'll read it anyway. So, uh, yeah, the latest one is kind of funny because it's got uh, Spider-Man 2099 in it. I saw him on the cover, yes. Yeah, which is not impressive to me, and I won't spoil anything. I just will say that uh, I got into it in the comments section on the Comics Fondle, which doesn't happen very often with this guy <laughs> who, was, who was trying to explain to me. I just, I just didn't understand the story and i'm like no i got it it's just not a very good comic book and i mean i i feel like that's kind of the problem with dan slot is is that he his best period is behind him he's in a he's doing all right workaholic funk yeah he's his best period is long behind him i mean i remember when he was on she hulk and we just loved dan slot so much and we're like, oh, I hope he someday gets regular Spider-Man. And it took yeah. him four or five years before he got good Spider-Man. And he had to, you know, make Otto Spider-Man. Right. So. And it's not to say that Spears not, you know, and I'm, I'm beginning to wonder. Say, say you're a writer, right? And you got to, like, do two issues a month of Superior Spider-Man for, like, half the years, half the months of the year. And I'm like, God, how are you going to come out with 40 pages plus a uh-huh. month of stuff? And uh-huh. you're trying to fill space some months because you're really not sure about what you want to write, but exactly. you still got to write a script. And it probably read read like that latest issue you read there. It has its ups and downs, that's for sure. Are they are they trying to take a, a one note pony too many too many uh, phrases as it were? I'm not sure. I know? think they're just trying to do too much. I think we haven't had a good issue with Otto and his lady friend in how long? Yeah, and they were they were very strong elements in the comics yeah, that really should have been p- emphasized more. We're yeah, because the character elements for the Flash, and I feel like that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. When you go like all superhero-y on this, then it kind of loses its personality. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, when, when you're doing an awful lot of reviews of Ultimate Spider-Man, congratulations on catching up on that, by the way. Oh yeah, like yeah. six years late. Right, right, and uh, it, 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 it's kind of like the same thing. You know, you're you're. You either got to write about Peter Parker and his gang, which was always the, the integral part of that book to me, or just let it go. Because the super action, hero action in that book was definitely second fiddle to the character moments that Bendis was good at. Yeah. And what else did I read? I read Hit, and I, I told you to avoid that. Like the yes, plague. I did. I, the artwork didn't look too impressive. A lot of horizontal panels for some strange reason. Uh, very strange, strange book, unfortunately. I had that racked on the image rack, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm glad wow. you mentioned it was Boom. I'm like, oh, it is Boom. I'm going to put over here the Boom stuff, you know. Yeah, we don't, we don't want it touching the good stuff. Um, yeah, and then uh, what else did I read? I read, uh, so we were talking about um, Satellite Sam. Yeah, yeah, that actually made it to the naughty wall at my store this week. You were saying, yeah. Yeah, the first two issues didn't, I mean, there was like a black dildo, I think, in one, lots of 
frilly pictures of women in underwear, but I didn't really see or hear too much that was going to make me put it on the dirty wall, despite all the illusions. And then we had to get to the rug munching scene in issue three, so there it went to the wall. What can I tell you? <sighs> despite that, it was fun to read, though. It's a good book. I feel like Fraction's taken his time with it. He's, yep. You know, we're now getting to the mystery angle. He built to it for, you know, an issue and a half. I mean, it's, right. it's, yeah, it's cool stuff. You're very right. The, the Fraction, uh, his leisurely time is a perfect phrase for that because he's is enjoying writing about the subject matter and utilizing the characters in their own ways and discovering them. And, and Chaikin is the perfect artist for this kind of stuff. And it's a real nice chemistry right now. Yes, it is. Um, so if you're, if, you're, if you're 16 or over, go out and buy Satellite Sam. Trying to remember now. What else did we? Uh, how about how about what was it? You, you you some of these are older. We've been off the air for so long. Like Lazarus Three came out what a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that Lazarus was, that was, was pretty good. good. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Despite the uh, eh, less than perfect art by Michael Lark, it was still a good issue. Yeah, I think he's just you know he hasn't done a book in a long time, and he was he got to do. <sighs> When he was at Marvel, they used him very sparingly after, you know, because they were stuck in an exclusive with him, even though Brubaker wasn't using him anymore. And they used him sparingly, and he was able to turn in issues that had a lot of, you know, I remember he did that uh, for some inexplicable reason. They put him on the Siege prologue. Remember that? Yeah. And it had some beautiful art, but he had time to do it, whereas now he just doesn't have time to do it. Well, maybe maybe Lazarus isn't pulling in the big bucks and he's doing it on the weekends in his free schedule. I think I that happens. I feel like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably the situation. And you know what? Even even half-baked Lark is still better than no Lark at all. Exactly. You know, who, who was the name that we were talking about? Tom Strong. You said you enjoyed that. I, I, oh, I, I love I, that book. You I know, Peter Hogan that. is writing another book, Resident Alien, for Dark Horse right now. Is he? Yeah, it's the second series of the book, and it's, it, it's illustrated by fellow Brit Steve Parkhouse. And, okay, yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. The first one was real, real laid-back shit. You know, this alien uh, lands on Earth, crash lands, and subverts himself into the human colony small town like in Montana by being a doctor, a local doctor. I think in you know, mess with their minds so they see him as a human, although we never see that vision, interestingly enough. And the second series just started, by the way. And I look at it, I go, Peter Hogan wrote that, and then he's writing Tom Strong. I mean, this guy's one of the best writers in comics. He needs more work. Please give him more work, you know? Yeah, he, um, I f- he was one of uh, Moore's buddies, I feel like. Oh, yeah, and, he was with him on ABC when uh, Tom yeah, Strong eventually went to him, I, I think. Like, yeah, and Tom Strong sort of went to him. So at least they're, they're keeping a guy who's got some good ideas on it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, that's another one to keep an eye out for. Um, what was it? You mentioned you were reading Trillium. I still haven't read the second issue yet, so have you I, nailed yeah, it? Or? I have not read it yet. I, uh, you know, I didn't actually care for the first issue very much, but... Um, it kind of hit me in a 60s underground kind of sense where, like, you didn't really, you could do what you wanted and your artwork could do what it wanted. And, and you know, I'm, I'm glad that Jose Villaruba got to color some of it because that was a nice balance. But I'm not sure. It was kind of interesting, like, to see what happened, but why, you know. My, the big question was why at the end of the first issue for me. Why yeah. did this happen, you know. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to read two, and we're, the word is out on that one. Um, I ran into a really good one the other day. Speaking of Howard Chaikin on Satellite Sam, uh, you know, he's doing a uh, miniseries for Hermes Press, and I think it's the first comic they ever put out other than that Paul Pope one-shot about a month ago. He's doing Buck Rogers for them. Really? And before you're like, okay, it's how he worked for hire, I dig it. But you know what? He writes it too. And one of my customers, who's a Howie Chaikin fan, he came in, bought it one week, says, he goes, oh, did you read Buck Rogers yet? And I'm like, oh, you know, I love Howie, but oh, Buck Rogers, you know, that's a groan to me. And he goes, oh, no, he's got so much leftist dogma in here, it's unbelievable. So I pick it up that day, and he turns it into this totally socialist-type lefty dogma book, but he keeps it under wraps enough to where you can read it and go through it. You know, and I highly recommend you glom on this this out. Yeah, I mean, I remember that. And Howie Howie gets to get his love thing on in Matt Fraction's Satellite Sam, and yet he gets to do his social issues in uh, Buck Rogers, of all things. You know what I mean? 
<sighs> I had not heard of that. I mean, I, maybe I did back when they announced it the first time, but I just totally... And Hermes Press led me know... Um, yeah. They, have a, they, they do a lot of reprints of uh, classic strips and stuff, but the quality of their scans and everything is is really tough. Uh, there are other publishers that are doing much better jobs like Dark Horse and IDW of presenting old material scanned and stuff like that. So anyway, I didn't have a lot of faith in the reproduction, but I, you know, you're a high taken fan, you dig leftist dogma. Hey man, pick up Buck Rogers, you know, you could do worse than that, I tell you. You were digging, what was it, uh, Half Past Danger a while back too? How'd yeah, that finish up? that's a good book. It hasn't finished yet. Oh, it hasn't finished. What, we're uh, four in now, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I was happy to hear in your uh, blog they've added ninjas to the soldier of World War II Nazi dinosaur it's mix. totally, totally out of it now. It's amazing stuff. Now, and now, it's now, pretty impressive because the guy is nobody in a lot of ways. Uh, the, the protagonist. No, the uh, the guy who's writing it and drawing it, he, he's like a cover artist. He's like the Angels series, you know? Like, really? Why oh, would wow. you ever think this guy would be able to do this? And he's great at it, yeah. Right. Well, in his first issue, I was reading the uh, introduction, and it's kind of like he talks about his dad bringing him to the movies as a kid and him having, like, that simpatico interest in such things. And he, he brings a lot of that belief into this series. Like, I checked out the first two issues, and I was like, you know, this guy has total belief or interest or in, in like, World War II stories, Nazis, dinosaurs and stuff. Ninjas came on after I read, you know, but I don't know. You, you seem very convinced, and I like the first two issues as well. Yeah, it's a good book. What's his name, Mooney? Mooney? Stephen Mooney, yeah. Stephen Mooney, that's it. Boy, my memory's working good today, believe it or not. All right, we'll bring up one more that I can think of, unless you've got something in your, uh, right, your stroke over there. Well, I, why'd you like that copy of Battling Boy I sent you? Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, Pope, uh, it's, Paul Pope is, it's so weird because I've got to think that pretty much everybody at some point or another has totally disappointed us. I mean, Ed Brubaker has become a disappointment. Even when he's doing good stuff, eh, you know. He's not the next Alan Moore, I'm sorry. He's not the next Alan Moore. He's not the next (laughs) this. He's not the less that. But, yeah, so we've got, yeah, but Paul Pope, he always comes through. It's amazing. Yeah, he, he never, even when Paul Pope gives like this, Minor effort where you'd swear to God the guy's just taking his brush and dipping into a bowl of ink and just fucking around on the page. And it still comes off as something that's got vested interest in it, you know? It's, yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful book. My my issue, and I talked about this in my, my write-up of it, is I don't know that he can sustain this. Is he going to be able to do one of these a year? It's Paul Pope. Man ain't famous for sitting down and making comics. Well, isn't this all reprint material? Is it from the... Uh... This is the Kodansha shit. Yeah, translated, I believe. Yes. Is it really? Then that yes, means sir. he just has tons of it. Hundreds of pages, hopefully. Really? If not thousands. <laughs> well, we can pray in our really? own way. Yeah. That would be awesome. Oh, it is. That, that, that colorist is perfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. When you look at art... Okay, Paul Pope is a guy who looks good in black and white. In fact, that's what, it's, that's what he's satisfied with. The color is secondary. And yet... Um, Battling Boy can work either as a black and white comic or as a color comic, although color is certainly adding another level of uh, dimension to the whole uh, Battling Boy excitement, let's put it that way. Wow. Is, uh, the uh, energy and everything, and it's all ages. I think I really dug the fact that, now you read it too, like, it, it's an all ages book. That's what I was thinking. I don't think I saw anything other than the death of one character which wasn't too visible. Right. I mean, uh, so that didn't bother me too much. I said, oh, younger people could read this. And this, this could be like the next big hit for younger readers as well. I think Battling Boy could very well serve as an introductory comic book to a lot of younger people. Yes, it could. Yes. Yeah. Hey, you going to carry it to the library? Uh, you know, I don't know yet. Um, I did just have a uh, – let me, let me see if I can tell yet. Uh, it should be carried at the library, and it probably won't be. Um, yes, I'm not yes, because yeah. <laughs> of those Hugo uh, nominating committees that help run your library selection of books. Ugh, let's see here, <laughs> uh, Battling Boy. 
Yeah, what do they got? Yep, we're going to get six of them. Wonderful. Thank God for small favors. I tell In you. fact, we also have Haggard West, which I had no idea about. I, I missed Haggard West when it came out last month, and uh, I read it in... I read it in here. Yeah. Yes, right. You know, you know that's another interesting point, was the fact that the Haggard West story that's a one-shot is nicely seamed into, or vice versa, taken out of Battling Boy. And yet it holds up very well on its own comic, and yet as a little chunk of two or three scenes in um, Battling Boy, it holds up wonderful. So that's like another level of Pope's brilliance that we have to acknowledge. Ugh, it's disgusting. Yeah, the of comics. Now, okay, so now, what else? What else did I read? I read the new uh, Tardy. Did you read that, or did you just no? Send it you know, on the, the, the war theme was too heavy for me, but uh, you seem to have really gotten That's into it. A heavy book, man. It just is relentless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. World War uh, One foot soldiers in the trenches of France. Not pretty. Yeah, it's a relentless one. But uh, worth it if you're into such things. You yes. Know, that's the thing. War books are tough. And if well done, war books are really tough. Just ask Garth Ennis. Yeah. What else? What else? What else? Collider. Uh, Collider slid a little bit in its second. Collider issue. did slide when they changed the name. Uh, it, you know, it makes me wonder if some of these. Because I don't know what Vertigo's publishing deal is. Do you think when you do your first issue for Vertigo, that's what you pitch to them? So that's what I was thinking. That you right, and, the, and then you said, hey, if you can come up with this in 30 days for the second issue, we'll run with it. And right. it looked like it. It looks like it. It looks like, like they were like, oh, well, let's rush to do this. Yeah. Yeah, the first issue was really well executed, and uh, I don't know. The writing was all right, but the art really slipped. And you could say, oh, you know, but they went to the other alternative dimension that was supposed to be weird. And I'm like, well, I don't care because it still wasn't very visually appealing, you know. And so Collider takes a step backward with its second issue anyway, I thought. Is that Robbie Robinson on the art? And who wrote that? I can't remember who wrote it. Is that Spurrier? No, that wouldn't be Spurrier. No. Who the hell wrote that? Oliver, maybe? Oh, Ben Oliver, maybe? Maybe Maybe Ben Oliver. I don't know. I can't remember anymore. What else has been good lately? Oh, Brother Lono, have we talked about that? That one's fun. Yeah, that's a fun one. It's really effing gross, but it's very fun. Hey, did you see the uh, 45 talked into the butt cheeks of the nun in that last issue? I did not. Oh, that last page, last panel, or last page. Great shot. I'm like, ah, I see the gun, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I guess I shouldn't have been looking at it in the first place. Otherwise, I wouldn't notice the gun, right? Good stuff, though. Uh, Rizzo, it's so good to see Rizzo. Rizzo could illustrate dead mammals on the highway, and I would still love his artwork, I swear. Yeah, let's see. What else we got here? Oh, I wanted to mention uh, those EC fans. Dark Horse has picked up the Gladstone EC reprints, the deluxe ones that were in hardcover. And they're going to finish them off, which is oh, something nice all of, of us have been looking. Yes, we've all been looking forward to that that's one. That's nice. Yeah. And there's also this absolutely gorgeous um, artist's... Um, you know how IDW does these art books? Yeah. They're ov- oversized, full, full-scale full reproductions of the original art. And they got Mark Schultz's second half of Xenozoic Tales on there. And that's Wow, a, nice. Yeah. Oh, it's a drool and a half. It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you don't have to buy it. Just try to find a shop and say, hey, man, is that copy open? I just want to look at it for 10 <laughs> <laughs> uh, try not to Try not to drool about it, you know. And one more thing, man. Uh, we talk a lot about Hawkeye, and I'll make one quick mention of Hawkeye. Uh, the book is, is, is really, really delayed. Uh, the latest issue, 13, is over a month late, and I uh, got I noticed that it's not going to be. And it's not going to be until, what, third week of uh, October now. Wow. So, so what happened there? I was like, God, the book was still doing, what, 50-plus thousand copies or so? So that's not a shitty book. It's not one of Marvel's bestsellers, but it's a long way from... Uh, right, yeah, it's a long know, way from being shitty. DC would yeah. be very happy with those numbers. They'd be, they'd be kicking the can for those numbers, exactly, exactly. That's kind well, of weird, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, we could we could we could harp more about the uh, the the horrible state of DC and Marvel, <laughs> whose comics we really try not to read. Is it isn't that weird when you're like trying not to read comics? You know, I, I, that's so alien. You know, it's just yeah. I mean, there's just 
Nothing. I mean, DC, of course, I feel like they keep on trying to come up with new gimmicks to the point you're like, are they going to just revert back to the old 52? Are they going to stop publishing comics altogether? It feels a lot more that way from DC than it does from Marvel. Yes, the DC marketing plan is definitely at the first and foremost reason for existence when you look at things like, what was it? We just had this uh, six-part thing called Trinity that crossed over in all the Justice League books. Now, at the end of Trinity, we have an event. The big light happens, and uh, the Earth-3 bad guys come in, right? You remember them from yeah, the yeah, Grant yeah. Morrison one, yada, yada. And then they said, oh, to be continued in Forever Evil number one. And I'm like, not only is marketing like so obvious, but it's like, it's like a big billboard that's hitting you in the face now when you're reading these things. Not only do they tell you about their marketing plans, but they almost revel in it in the way they, 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 they give you this information, you know. And it just seems like a, a slap in the face to people who are really been – really good uh, reading comics for many years to do something like that. I was just very unimpressed by that. It also features this utterly useless four-page spread that you open up into this godforsaken wing-like thing out of the comic with one of the most boring uh, Finch quadrus folds you'll ever see in your life. It's just all the villains standing around looking at the Earth-3 villains up on a podium, and they're just standing there doing nothing. There's like about 150 of them, and I'm like... Boy, that must have been really boring as shit to draw because it's boring as shit to look at, let me tell you. So the marketing has taken taken over, you know? It's not about story or content. It's about shiny covers, man. Got to have them shiny covers. I heard a good well, story, though. Somebody okay. was telling me that they accidentally left their DC uh, uh, 3D covers in the car on a hot day and they melted. <laughs> but they were upset. I bet they were. Yeah, four bucks a hit. You got it. Now, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if we talked about this earlier, but in maybe the first episode, Marvel, it feels like if they're churning out ideas for the movies, they sort of are churning out ideas for the movies. Like, the Iron Man 3 was based on the uh, Warren Ellis arc with Eddie Granov, uh, Winter Soldier's Captain America 2 is based on um, Brubaker's Winter Soldier. But the DC ones still go back to stories that the earliest um, were in, like, what, 98? Like, none of the new DC guys are getting bandied about for the movie treatment, you know? It's not like Scott Snyder's going to be consulting on Superman Batman. He's going to be not consulting on Superman Batman, and if he's lucky, he'll get a cartoon. Whereas Marvel, they're consulting with these guys, the current writers. Really? How nice of them. It's got to be a very different atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, so what you're saying is they're actually talking perhaps to Ed Brubaker about, like, the Winter Soldier. Uh, I mean, I believe that they went through... He hasn't really talked about it, but they went through Captain America stories, and they're like, hey, Winter Soldier would be awesome, let's do this, at a time when Winter Soldier only was only a couple years old. And I, I assume he's met with them or something, but, you know, whatever. He's going to get thanked at the end of the movie, which they did on Iron Man 3. They thanked all of the guys who worked on the comics that they reference so you've got uh john byrne and the armor wars guys and warren ellis and eddie granov and some other people and so they're at least acknowledging them whereas on superman they didn't acknowledge God. comic writers you mean these are derived from comic books mark who, who would it have been for that mark wade john byrne uh you know 30 other people like they didn't acknowledge anybody well, yeah, exactly. There's that different tonality, and it's like a hundred eighty degrees difference, isn't it? Uh, you don't you don't get that feeling that comic books were even involved with the decent current Batman and Superman movies at all. I don't feel anything about comic books or the original stories or the way Batman and Superman can make you feel as an individual reading about their mythologies. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, so it's got to be a very different atmosphere, and I I feel like. Kevin McGuire tweeted yesterday that he's like, just left D.C., maybe for the last time. And 
you know, it's like DC's got what? Oh, well, we didn't talk about this. Um, uh, what's her name? Honor. Hey, W. Hayden. The, the Batwoman team. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I wasn't surprised by that move. Jage uh, Williams had already signed up for Sandman. He was just going to be able to write Batwoman. The sales attributed to probably one of the lower-end Batman books. So the writing was on the wall for cancellation. And the way I looked at it is like, you know, let's end it because now he's is, already moved on. You know? But is he going to stay with Sandman? No, the Sandman is a limited run project, 10 issues. I don't know. I could be wrong on that, but it's not ongoing. It's uh, 10 issues. Well, I meant more is he going to stay with DC because they, they were going on to all the editorial interference that people are, that writers are just miserable there and that the reason Scott Snyder is bandied about as their best writers because he's the only one who can stick, who, who apparently enjoys the editors messing him up. Well, uh, as long as he's getting those checks for those big issues, I mean, he's their, he's their, him and well, maybe not so much Jeff Lemire, but certainly Scott Snyder is pulling in some uh, good numbers for DC. Yeah. yeah, so they're going to treat him nice. I don't know. It's all, it's all a crapshoot for what DC's what's going to happen next with them. You know what I mean? I mean, to me, Batman, Batwoman was a non-issue because it was doomed to be canceled. What within the next year anyway? Right? I mean, I don't know. What was the big thing? They didn't want to do a gay marriage. I don't know. They right. didn't want to do marriage, period. And, you know, I agree with that. Superheroes get dull when they get married. Well, now, the other thing is, apparently they were messing up. They had, like, a huge Killer Croc story arc planned, and they messed that up because it didn't fit with Villains United or something. Okay. And so we're back to the days where the editorial interference, you know, doesn't let people finish their story arcs, which is a DC standard for many years now. Right, things can change in six months. We may not like that plot we approved a long time ago. Well, it, it may be it may be that's how they're going to turn it out. It's just going to be product. You know what I mean? It seems that way. I mean, you can't read the thing, so I'm going to assume most of it's product now, right? Now, where's that um, Grant Morrison multiverse series? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Unless, uh, unless Dan Didio, Jim Lee, and who's the other schmuck? Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns, yeah, they, they all leave. And it'll happen eventually. I mean, but will DC want to continue publishing comics after that? You know, we've talked about that before, too. Like, DC or Marvel gives up publishing comics well. There goes easily 50% of the comic book stores across North America. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it's a it's an interesting situation, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough because you want to read Marvel. You want to let you want to you want to read Marvel. You want to read DC. You know, because you know you were a kid and you remember you enjoyed these things. You know, and and times change. I'm not nostalgic. You know me. I'm the last nostalgic guy on the block. But you know, I just want something I can read. You know, <laughs> that's why I like uh, Batman Black and White. I could read that. The uh, yeah, I, I just posted to the uh, Comics Gallery Facebook the best covers of ni- DC covers in 1978. And you go look at them, and they're just these awesome dynamic covers, and it's just like, oh. <laughs> you remember compare that? Them to the, compare them to the, what, the three-dimensional versions we got out this Oh, time. God. It's just... I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. When I get home, I'm going to look that website up, because I just like to wax nostalgic about late 70s. Well, it's all this Ross Andrew doing team-ups. It's just great. Okay, cool. At least there's a reason for their existence, you know. Yeah. So, what else? Um... Marvel's got a lot of stuff going on, but it's all X-Men related, so I don't really care. Right. It's it, it, Again, there, there's the merchandising of Marvel. It revolves around the X-Men and the Avengers, and everything else is secondary, and everything has to read Avengers. I mean, you've got 10 X-Men titles, 10 Avengers titles, and they all have different adjectives in front of them, right? They used to have more differentiation, but they discovered that the name brand, the branding, is very important. So that's where 50% of their publishing lies into is establishing the branding and of course crossovers and of lots course. and lots of them yes infinity children of the atom god that's going to occupy half their line this month they're chasing me away too andrew what happened all the comics we used to love well i'm going to image that's how it is i mean image and oni and boom they're they're putting out stuff we can read and that's all that matters really when it comes down to it Comics cost the same. I just have to move the right numbers, right? Yeah, 
it'd be nice if that was what was distressing about Hit was it was not something I felt like Boom should be publishing anymore. Right. Like, if I you felt have a, like they'd gone beyond sucking in that way. You know, but all, you, you mentioned that in your review, and I said, yeah, but all publishers put out sucky books. It's almost like it's we need to put a book out. Okay, we have X plus Y equals Z, which means we can put out a book, it'll make this much money, and we'll make a profit, right? And sometimes that's how it works, especially on the lower-end product. And, you know, while you could criticize Boom for putting out Hit, it still, like, looks better than a lot of stuff that some of the other publishers put out. You know what I mean? It looks like you could actually pick it up and read it, and it's professionally done. Looking, looking, I guess that's the right word. Maybe I'm just upset because RoboCop didn't come out this week, and I've been looking forward to that since the first one. Oh, you sure have. God help you. You you said this thing was the tits, and what what's all about RoboCop one again that you thought was? Oh, this RoboCop one. Now it's it's um. So what was this? Ten years ago, Avatar did an adaptation of the Frank Miller RoboCop comic with Juan Jose Reap on the art. Yes. It took him like three years to get it published because Reap was so slow. Uh, then Avatar lost the license, and it went to Dynamite, who did an unreadable comic that was not this. Well, Boone got Stephen Grant, who adapted the uh, Miller script rather poorly, I'll say, to do this adaptation of Miller's RoboCop 3 script. What's awesome about it is they didn't go and get, you know, obviously they didn't get Reapback, but they also didn't get anybody particularly realistic. Instead, you've got this very punk, indie-looking comic that's that's a RoboCop comic. It's crazy. It's it's awesome. Oh. Yeah. Man. Who would think RoboCop could be awesome? I, now, who, you know, who's on the art on that one? I don't even know the guy's name. It's uh, let me go look. The but British it, guy. It's. I'm trying to remember. This was a comic that was best when Marvel was doing shitty licensing of it, just because you know Marvel had a certain amount of professionalism in 1990. Whereas you know, since then it went to Dark Horse and oh. Yeah. Well, oh, those he, were awful. Uh, the guy, no, he's not. He's, he's, I don't know. His name is Kortik Ukstein. Wow. He's off the boat, maybe. Or he still. is. He is somebody. He's somebody. He's, uh. He's from one island you've never heard of on Earth. Thank uh, God he's got internet connection. Pretty much, I do not. Uh, I do not recognize the language that uh, his dialogue is written in. So how wild! Okay, he's definitely from another country then. Maybe he's Turkish. He's Turkish. Yeah, Turkish. there you go. Okay, he's well Turkish. that'll work. Wow, man! You know, it, it's amazing. The internet has no boundaries nowadays. You can be in, you can be in Turkey and illustrate RoboCop. That just goes to show you how great the United States is. Yeah. That's pretty oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's a yeah. pretty awesome guy. <laughs> well, um, hey, you RoboCop fans will certainly pick that one up anyway. So what else? Is, uh, I feel like there hasn't been anything else very exciting. We've uh, kicked about some... I started Harbringer Wars. I'm only like two issues into it. I'm working on that. That's cool. Yeah, that they, they kind of padded it out a bit, but, you know, I still like Harbinger, so, you know. That's a good book. That's that's my favorite out of the Valiant line. Have you sampled any of their other stuff? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the uh, Bloodshot crossovers. So okay. we'll see. But uh, no, I haven't. I'm trying to think, there's uh, you know Quantum and Woody, but without Priest, I don't know. You know, like huh, okay, this is not working. Yeah. Tom Fowler's drawing it, which is cool. But I, you know, I mean, and what else was the other one? Uh, Archer and Armstrong. A lot of my customers like. I don't know. It didn't click with me. I think they have. Uh, Valiant uh, memories they like, but you know Harbinger still works for me out of the Valiant line. I just like that for some reason. You know, it clicked with me. I like the realness of the teenagers or whatever yeah, they are. He's doing you know. a good job with that. Yeah, yeah. is, is Dice Art still on that one? Dice Art, I don't think he's going to leave it. I think that he's very happy where he's at. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, yeah. Well, well, I, it's. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I assume we, they're just all sitting around waiting for the movie deal, but it's not 19, It's not 2008 anymore, so they got to wait. Yeah. What was it? Uh, uh, 
what's the name, the uh, Heidi's blog had uh, Valiant signed a deal with a Mexican publisher to translate Valiant into Spanish for Mexican and probably South American readers. Well, that's pretty well. cool. Yeah, it was a nice thing. It was good. Good. Any any uh, anything to get those comics out there to anybody is cool. We'll have to talk about Valiant one day. Their their publishing history is up and down with me for what's it been almost two years. They're working on things now, a year and a half plus. Um, so we'll have to make them a focus on one of our evenings one night, looking at their we'll lines. We'll have to do the research into the history of them too, though. Oh God, that's tough. That's Jim Shooter. I don't know if I want to go there, little buddy. <sighs> <laughs> Well, that you have to just—I don't know—I'll I'll, I'll look them up in my. I've got some guidebooks that will help out on that. I think that will be nice. But yeah, it's been a—it's uh, been August and September, which is usually when people go on vacation and comics slow down a bit. So there hasn't been a lot going on anyway. But they're still good books. They're still out there. Just go out there to your local comic shop and beat the clerk senseless until he tells you what they are. Yeah, we've been doing pretty well with books lately. It's nice. There, uh, things are. In. Yeah, there's there's yeah. enough uh, there's enough good stuff out there that you don't have to read superheroes. Okay, I mean I I love anybody listening to this podcast, but there's a lot of things to read. Uh, what are a couple of recent trade paperbacks? They got the uh, Paul Pope's One Trick Ripoff now in trade paperback. Definitely, that was nice. Yeah, and they also got uh, Jackamon and Nats's The Killer. They call it the, the Omnibus Volume One, I guess, as it were, from Arcasia. Because they took forever to f- publish it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you got the trade now. You can buy the trade, the first omnibus, which <clears throat> I'm sure there'll be a second omnibus. Those are good books, though, that are out there. Yeah. What else has been? Uh, the Language Muppet Omnibus was announced by uh, by Marvel, you sent me that, and I find it very amusing since he very ingloriously announced that he would never work for them again. Any port in a storm, bro. I guess he didn't make a lot of money at Popeye, even though we both love them dearly. Well, I feel well. The omnibus, I feel like, is them trying to exploit the brand since there's a new Muppet coming out, not necessarily him going back to work for him. Oh, of course not. He, he what, what, does he get a check out of this book? I don't know. He gets a check out of it, I assume. I mean, who knows I how complicated that. Uh... It's such a beautiful piece of work. Those of you who like Muppets, go buy that book. Now, I, what I'm curious about though is, is it the complete? That's what it said. All it's... the, uh, all the, um, what do you call it? Um, what's the name again? I'm sorry. Language. Landridge. All of Landridge's Landridge. Muppet stuff. Yeah, that's all supposed okay. to be in there. How much is it? I don't even remember. Oh, I'm going to guess 80 plus, 80, somewhere in there. Well, you know, yeah. wait, 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 let hits overstock.com or something. Well, I mean, the thing is, I actually haven't read all of it because he had an ongoing series for a while there. That's true. He did. And they were very nice. Uh, it kind of echoed his work when he went over to uh, Boom and did uh, Popeye for them. Or IDW. Oh, IDW. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And I believe, oh, and then Snarked. I I recommended Snarked to a kid the other day. That was nice. Oh, good. For you. But, um, let's see. Yeah, and then he did Snarked, and then he did uh, Mighty, the Thor the Mighty Avenger, of course, is uh, another one that... Yeah, Marvel is reprinting four issues of that in a seven ninety nine square brown prestige format in about a month or so. Uh, so anyway, if you haven't exposed yourself to that, kids, get that book. It's all ages. It's great. But has it, did, they, did they take the collection off? Did they put it on moratorium? Uh, I haven't Real seen collection? it in print for a while. Yeah. No, it never. It, it goes in print. I think they did two editions of it, and that was it. And this is a selection of stories from it, which has the great Chris Samney on artwork. So. You got to get it anyway. If you don't know this stuff, just go buy it, please. You know, you'll be glad you did. Don't buy something else. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, I think we got it about covered, huh? don't you? I mean, I do too. Yeah. I'm thinking. You know, I'm out of comics. I could go dig more, but I'm sure our listeners just rather say, "Ah, thank you very much for your insight, gentlemen." Have- <laughs> Yeah, what else could we talk about? Um, the latest Marvel movie rumor is that Katie Sackoff, Starbuck from Deep Space Nine, is talking to Marvel, and everybody thinks she'll be Captain Marvel in uh, really? Avengers Really? getting up there. Too. I don't know. Don't they want somebody younger? Nah, 
you know, Captain Marvel, when I was at the Comic-Con, I haven't read it. I've, I've wanted to read it because Kelly Sue DeConnick's writing it. Yeah. Um, and I, is, who's on the art? Somebody kind of weird. The guy from Phonogram, right? Uh, Which is about as hippie me. as Marvel I'm, gets. But somebody was dressed up when I was doing my Comic-Con presentation last summer in Denver. I mean, I, I feel like... Marvel is at a point where they're going to get a lot of questions about why they don't have any female franchises or even attempts at them. So we'll see. Hey, didn't we argue at DC about this recently too? The fact that they can't do Wonder Woman, but... Or Gail Simone is like uh, one of like three women or four women working it. Oh, just bitching about the lack of women working it. Well, what's funny is, is at Marvel, and I I believe it's still this way, but it... It, it's gotten more because I'm, you know, reading Ultimate Spider-Man and I can see who the assistant editors were back then versus today. Most of the assistant editorship at Marvel who, who are – and at Marvel, I think the assistant editors have more power than they do at DC because I think the assistant editors, they then report to a group editor. Uh, it's a lot of women as opposed to DC where um, I, I don't even know. <laughs> Do we even pay but, attention? Yeah, it's a secret boys club that you're not allowed into. Right? Yeah. It's a shame that DC sort of – there was that rumor – during one of the podcasts, I feel like, there was a rumor that Paul Levitz would be back due to some shakeups at Warner, but that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, well, that's wishful thinking perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It would be nice, but I don't know. It, it, DC is a different beast these days, and they'll either handle it differently or they won't. And it's kind of sad in some ways. It reminds me of Disney publishing comics before they bought Marvel. It's like, well, we're forced to do this, so we're going to do it our way or something like that, you know? And, yeah, they really yeah. don't seem into it. Yeah, it's strictly there for market presence. It's not there for uh, getting new interested readers on and everything like that. But, eh, you know, eh, what, what, can what can you get? What can you do? I mean, I've been in this business, instead. yeah, 18 years now. The shop's been open almost 18 years. Can you believe that? Um, and I've seen, you know, trends come and trends go. And, you know, I remember Marvel before Joe Casada took over, and I was very depressed. And when he took over, everything was great. And, uh, you know, really good periods of time. But you know what? The good This shall pass, too, and hopefully good comics will come out of the big two. We can pray. I think that's it. That's it, baby. I'm I'm tapped. I don't know. I love my listeners for putting up with us this long, but we did good. We got that got that next podcast under our belt. And we'll have to uh, we'll have to try and be a little bit better about the next episode, everyone. Yes, yeah, indeed. We'll get to you sooner. Back. It was the Rosh Hashanah holiday. I swear. Yeah, and of summer too. Don't forget. You know, summer's a busy ass time. I mean, uh, we have a lot of lot going on. Customers are constantly in here all day long, and. You know, you go home, you got to rest, you know. You don't have time for everything, you know. What can I say? You know, once you, once you hit that half-century mark, you got to take it easy one. Uh, well, you're, you're lucky. you got a ways to go. I won't speak for you. Sorry. Yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> speak for me. Yeah. All right. Well, thank oh, wait, you, everyone. Marble for Season. Up. Last thing. Marble oh. Season by uh, Beto Hernandez. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you, you enjoyed that, that yet? I read it a while back. We had it as a free comic book day thing. I just and... love it. It just loved it. It goes down like uh, caramel on a spoon, I think. Right? It is just delightful. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so, something you should definitely look into because, uh, yeah, it was, that was a nice one. I mean, uh, you know, if, Char- if Charles Schultz could do formal, interesting art comic books, it would be. It would be that, <laughs> yes. It would be that, right, exactly. Good way to look at it, I think. Man, you're full of stuff. You just keep pulling out I of your hat. I keep pulling it out of my hat. I'm but telling you, I, I ran on my notes. I'm looking at my notes. They're all scratched off. I've got nothing here, baby. Eh, I think we're done. We'll, we'll okay. let people go. It's been an hour. We'll let them go. Ah, that's it. That's our law now. We're going to cut it short, even if we're in a juicy tidbit. All right, guys. So uh, this has been Andrew for Comics Fondle Podcast. And Mr. Vernon Wiley for the Comics Gallery. And uh, we will uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, kids. We love you all. <laughs> <laughs>